today on my first concert. Has there been a most memorable concert that you've performed? Um, I would say that was a big one, the big hometown um, first half show. And then there was a moment where I was 15 years old and I was, I was, well, I was in stage at Chicago and I got out of school early to go play this gig with my dad and I flew to Chicago and then I was on the stage and then I realized I looked to my left and Greg Hawks from the cars is playing keys and then Todd <laughs> Rundgren's up there. And I was like, it, it kind of dawned on me halfway through the show, you know, sound check. We we're hanging with those guys all day. And then halfway through the show, I was like, Oh, this is, this is it. This is, uh, this is what I'm doing. Um, and just that moment of it truly not registering until I was halfway through the set was, a. Uh, that was probably one of my most memorable moments. Great to have you along, everybody. Dave Lee here with Davide on my first concert. Davide, uh, good to see you again. I haven't seen you in a little while as you've been out at the tech show out in California. You're learning all the new electronic devices out there. I hope that was a good trip. It was. It was wonderful weather, and we had a very successful um, podcast series that we did there with uh, Paul. And, yeah, it was fantastic. So, I'm, But I'm glad to be back now, too. Well, good. I hope they had a big sale on those Neumann microphones. So you brought a couple back of those for me at a bargain <laughs> price. <laughs> yeah. I, I might, I might be able to hook you up with some Electro Voice microphones, <laughs> but not Neumann. Well, that'd be good too. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're pretty excited here, thanks to our friends over at uh, Connecticut here at the uh, Corsi and uh, Aquarius from the AquariusHomeServices.com studio. Jeff and the gang over there, who are great sponsor, good friends, as a matter of fact. And they're bringing this to you along with uh, our friends at StarBank.net, our bank right here at Talk North, by the way. And we're very thrilled today to have Isaac uh, Levy with us. Isaac is uh, a great musician. Uh, some of you may know his father as well. Uh, Davide, you've had a chance to work with this guy before recording and mixing, but he's nice enough to join us on the show. Isaac, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Dave. Thanks for having me, Davide. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm, I'm glad well, you're here. So. Let's let's talk about that very first concert that you went to. Do you remember what it was, who it was, where it was? I sure do. Uh, it was probably the most memorable, well, memorable one for a three-year-old. It was uh, Bruce Springsteen and the <laughs> E Street Band at XL Energy Center. Oh, three or four oh, years old, somewhere in there. Um, no it kidding. was a birthday present from my mom. Uh, my dad, as you mentioned, is a touring drummer, and he was out on the road, and my mom wanted to do something special for my birthday. So she bought me tickets to that, and I just remember being a little kid on her shoulders, and my mind was blown. Oh, yeah. I, wow. I mean, at three years old. It's funny, Isaac, because in the midst of asking folks about the first concert, uh, oftentimes, I would say so far, the majority of times, it was with their parents, which is sure. kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So did you attend many concerts? You were making music as a young kid. Did you attend uh, many concerts beside that one? I did. You know, as my dad being a musician, whenever I had the chance, I would follow him. Any show he was playing, I would sit on the side of the stage, go sit out at the front of house mixing console. Um, I just wanted to absorb as much as I could. So I would say, quite honestly, I probably attended one of my dad's shows before then. But that was my first concert where I had tickets and everything. It was a... Uh, Truly memorable experience, but yes, I've always, I've always wanted to go to shows ever since I was a little kid and just be around it and absorb it. 
were those a lot of the Brian Setzer shows? Yeah, a lot of Brian Setzer. Um, my dad was playing with Peter Frampton for a little bit too. Oh, that's right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Then with the Honey Dogs and Five for Fighting as well. But I would say I probably attended more Brian Setzer shows than anything else. Isaac, uh, at three years old, it's hard to top Bruce Springsteen. But the first concert, <laughs> the first concert you performed in, what was that? Um, it must have been somewhere. I think I was probably six or seven years old with the Honey Dogs, um, with my dad and uncle. That's their band, and I think I sat in on guitar at the Cedar Cultural Center. Wow! <laughs> and ever since that day, that uh, that was the start of it all for me. I, I kind of knew I didn't want to do anything else after that. So at six or seven, were you playing relatively well at that age? Yeah, I would say so. I, uh, My dad, actually, well, John Fields, who's across the hall, my dad got me a, a red Fender Stratocaster when I was five years old. Of course, like a three-quarter size one, a little bit shorter scale. And John Fields is there for my fifth birthday. And a uh, <laughs> week after that, uh, he enrolled me in guitar lessons with John Eller over at Willie's American Guitars. And I would say for the next two years until I was about seven, I just, whenever I'd get home from school, the school bus would drop me off and I would just play guitar, not do my homework, and then build those calluses <laughs> up. So you, your first yeah. instrument is guitar, huh? First, yeah, I would say um, I probably played drums a little bit before, but guitar always clicked. Okay. Yeah. Did yeah, Dad always? was a drummer. Yeah. Dad is a drummer, but you, yep. play, you play multiple instruments, right? Yeah, guitar. Bass, piano, and drums. These multi-instrumentalists are very dangerous because <laughs> they they half of the instruments that they actually play, they don't mention it. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Too kind. So Isaac, if you start a band, what instrument would you play? Guitar feels like home to me. I would yeah. say guitar. Um, then bass probably equally and drums probably equally as well um piano was probably the least of my strong suit but i felt like i was like i don't know i felt like guitar is just my instrument if that makes sense let's go let's go back to that stratocaster so since yeah. that time what are, what are you playing now what's your what's your guitar of choice um well i'm very fortunate by the time i was 17 years old i got an endorsement with fender and they were uh, kind enough to send me a bunch of guitars but um, the first real guitar I ever bought myself, saved up a bunch of money. Uh, my dad loaned me a hundred dollars and I paid him back over the course of a summer, but bought a American Fender Telecaster at Willie's when I was 13. And I think it's just having that be my first real American made guitar that kind of just left a big, uh, probably like an imprint on my guitar taste. And I've been playing basically mainly Telecasters every day since. Do you still have that original American Fender I Telecaster? From I sure do. I, uh, a few modifications have been done to it. Just it got a little bit too beat up over time, and there's been yeah. some serious road wear on it. But yes, I still do. <laughs> how, how about that? How about that uh, three quarter sized one that uh, you, that you got? Oh at man, five? that that's in pieces in some bin somewhere. <laughs> I had a I had a phase probably a little bit down the line at eight or nine years old where I was trying to build guitars and I was trying to. Um, solder pickups and put new necks on stuff. But of course, I was never trained to do that. So I, I ruined a few things, including that little three-quarter. <laughs> oh, well, it's just the whole idea of doing that, too. Exactly. Uh, and so, but you've had a chance to play with a number of people, including, I believe, Todd Rundgren, haven't you? Yes, I've uh, sat in with Todd a few times. Then I've uh, 
his his wife Michelle is a very good friend of mine, so I've been to their house doing some engineering work for them. Yeah, they're uh, just great, that, phenomenal people. Well, he's I mean, and he was one of the early adopters. I remember talking with him one time for about an hour or so. Just and his his interest was not so much even in the music world at that time. It was all about mixing and engineering and things that you could do from the studios. Is he still that way? He still is. Yeah, it's um, truly remarkable. He was, I would say he was a pioneer as far as mixing, engineering, and recording. And nowadays, it's uh, very common for artists to do their own work on their own. And Todd kind of was one of the guys to start that. Even back in the early 70s, he was mixing, recording, producing all of his own songs that he was writing. So he was definitely one of his, well, he was his own man show. But yes, he's uh, he's still doing that to this day. Um, yeah, he's it it's truly blows my mind. He's always writing and always collaborating with other artists and producers. How do they find out about your talents? Um, long, convoluted story, but a, um, a guy in town, Rick Meyer and his wife, Amy, moved to Hawaii or bought a place there. And uh, they met Todd and Michelle and then somewhere along the line, they needed an engineer. So they just referred me and I was out there. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah. You had to go to Hawaii and work too. That would be, oh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's just horrible, horrible being in a <laughs> tropical paradise. <laughs> yeah. Bang the, bang the drum all day. That's yeah, kind exactly. of, that, that song would be a good theme when you're on the islands. I, I would think oh, uh, we're yeah. talking with Isaac uh, Levy, who's with us here, a talented musician, in the Twin Cities, another one of the uh, up-and-comers in Minneapolis-St. Paul. We talk about the sound, as we have on this show for, gosh, a lot of episodes. But we've had a chance to talk to a number of the, the new generation out there and know that the music scene in this town is in pretty good hands with guys like Isaac and many others. And we'll talk some more in a minute. I do want to say thank you, though, to Jeff and the staff over to Aquarius Home Services, uh, who are really, really good people. And I know that you've got a shrinking schedule. You're so busy. Uh, we stress over our household repairs. We don't get a chance sometimes to enjoy life because we're worried about those. But you're not alone in that department, folks. And Aquarius Home Services has your back because they're trusted. They're local. They're the let us tackle your to-do list team. I can just tell you from experience, having known Jeff, gosh, since he started the company over two decades ago, how in, how they are into making sure that you're satisfied, that you're first I think one of the first times they ever came to the house, and I've used them ever since with multiple things from water to furnaces to whether it be air conditioning, whatever, but electrical now too. But um, they, the first time they came, they asked, hey, is it okay if I park the van right there? I said, nobody's ever asked me that before. I mean, that's the, they're just, it's a, kind of a small town feel here in the metro, and they're really good. They're dedicated, and right now they're slashing $98 from uh, the price you choose the service, they'll fix and take 98 bucks off the repair costs for furnace, plumbing, electrical repair. Uh, it's a good time to get a hold of them. Anytime's a good time, but especially now you can save some money. But I know that they believe in earning the right to be recommended. And man, I can recommend it without a problem at all after all these years. They're just a click away. Jeff and I have stayed friends for that whole time. They're just good people. And you're gonna find out when you get a hold of them at AquariusHomeServices.com. Isaac uh, Levy is with us. He is a great musician here in the Twin Cities. And, and uh, Isaac, gosh, you play with a lot of people. You can perform on your own. You're doing a lot of mixing and engineering right now. What about your performing schedule? What do you got on tap? What's coming up? Yeah, this year, um, I'm kind of taking more time to be in the studio rather than shows. 
But uh, as far as my 2023 last year went, I was uh, barely in Minnesota. I uh, did three, uh, if not four, cross-country tours um, well, out of the country as well. But uh, this year, I'm just kind of taking it easy and just focusing on being in the studio, mixing, producing, and playing guitar and bass for other artists. And that's uh, it's truly been a great experience. And that's what I really love to do is being in the studio and working on other what would you? What would you tell us as fans? And fans of yours, what is it like when you're touring the country or for that matter, as you mentioned, even internationally? Um, I would say it's a, it looks like a very, very glamorous life and it is the dream job, but I will say it's a, it's definitely a lot more work than what it seems like. It's a, you truly don't realize how exhausting traveling can be, especially when you're doing it every day for two plus months. Um, I remember being a kid, being five years old and seeing my dad, you know, go on tours and fly around the country. And it's like, oh, that's the coolest thing. It's like, it's like not even a real job. It's like a cool job. It's like a fake job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then uh, 10 plus years down the road, it's my job. And then some, it's, it's the strangest phenomenon where when I'm on tour and you're, you know, waking up at five in the morning to catch a flight and then go somewhere else and play a show that day and go back to the hotel, do it over and over again, it truly feels like Groundhog Day and you just want to be home. But when I'm home, I feel like I want to be back out on the road and be doing that. <laughs> yeah, I imagine there's a rush when the crowd, when you first see the crowd, they get into the music. Oh, yes. It's a, the adrenaline is truly unmatched. You can't really describe it, but it's a great, great feeling. Uh, most notably, uh, I just played a show at First Ave and it was kind of like a big hometown show for a band I've been touring with called Yam House. And those guys are definitely local favorites here. So it was cool. You know, the big screen, the projector screen came up when we were headlining it and just the, the sheer volume of the crowd, stuff like that. The adrenaline is just, uh, it's truly amazing. Well, First Avenue is legendary. What is it like to play First Avenue? I mean, it's got to be kind of a, obviously a notch on the belt, a, 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 an item that you don't forget. But as a performer, what's it like when you, First time when you go to First Ave. Uh, I've been fortunate enough now to play at the First Ave main room a few times. And every time, um, it is truly not lost on me how cool it is and the cultural and historical significance of First Ave. There's a kind of indescribable, but there's a feeling where you're, you're on that stage. I don't know if it's the adrenaline, or, but it, it, uh, it's magical. It just kind of makes you feel alive. And other people have said that too who have played there. But I would say um, it, it is really easy every day to play fun in big rooms like that. You definitely take it for granted. It just goes by so quick. But the first half stage, whenever I'm on that stage, it's always important just to take a step back and truly realize where you are. Has there been a most memorable concert that you've performed? Um, I would say that was a big one, the big hometown um, first half show. And then there was a moment where I was 15 years old. And I was, I was, well, I was in stage at Chicago and I got out of school early to go play this gig with my dad and I flew to Chicago and then I was on the stage and then I realized I looked to my left and Greg Hawks from the cars is playing keys and then Todd <laughs> Rundgren's up there. And I was like, it, it kind of dawned on me halfway through the show, you know, sound check. We we're hanging with those guys all day. And then halfway through the show, I was like, oh, this is, this is it. This is uh this is what I'm doing. Um, and just that moment of it truly not registering 
until I was halfway through the set was a, that was probably one of my most memorable moments. What about, you're talking about the rooms. Would you rather play a, a room like First Ave or would you like to play a big first, uh, I mean, a big concert hall? Does it matter to you when you're in the band or when you're performing what the venue is? Yeah, you know, it was funny. Um, just this last year, I played everything from 100-seat clubs all the way to baseball stadiums. And mm-hmm. I truly had the most fun in somewhere in the middle around probably like the 1,200 to 1,500-seat rooms like First Ave or the House of Blues. Um we played target field here last year, warming up for the killers. And that was a lot of fun, except it's a, with that big of a space, it truly doesn't feel like there's a crowd for some reason. You're so far away from everybody. You know, there's festival barriers, um, as far as 20 feet away from you, if not more, whereas first ad, the crowd is right there. The barrier is right in front of you and you can truly see everybody. Whereas a, a big room or a big stadium, it it almost doesn't feel real in a weird way. You feel yeah, like, that yeah vulnerable. Yeah, you yeah. It's like there's so many people here and they're so far away from me that it doesn't even feel real. It's yeah. it's really weird. When when you play that as a band member of uh, a uh, 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 baseball stadium like that or a stadium wherever it may be, sound wise for you as a musician with technology, do, are you able to still get the same sound you would in a fifteen hundred two thousand seat arena or or is, is it a little different in your ears, what you're hearing? Yeah. Um, luckily, every band I've toured with in this last year, everybody's on in-ear monitors. So everybody gets their own mix. We can all choose what we, what we want to hear. And in my point of view, it's uh, even in a big, spacious environment like that, my ears are always clean and I always hear the same thing night after night. But as far as a crowd perspective goes, it's uh, it's definitely a challenge. When the Killers were playing, I was able to go out front at Target Field and it's a, a space that big. It's just so boomy. Um, but yes, my point of view on stage never necessarily gets changed of what I'm hearing. How about playing with Corey, Corey Wong? Yeah, I, uh, I've, I've done a few things with Corey uh, kind of right when he was starting with Wolfpack. I was a massive fan of Corey, you know, being a young guitar player and seeing him uh, get all the cool session man work. Then I've done a few things, just kind of engineering work for Corey as well few little studio things but Corey's a phenomenal musician and all of us are really impressed and it shows you how if you Corey's a great um, testament of working hard and taking the world by storm showing you that uh, a lot of great things coming out well come out of Minneapolis I should say I think we all are, are proud of uh, yeah. Wong and, yeah. uh, especially uh, you know he, he has spent a lot of time in in these studios and uh, we just saw him at NAMM uh, in, in L.A. Um, because he's also sponsored by Electro Voice. And so he was there one uh, one day to do his autograph hour. And the lines were huge, but really long. And But he went through. He went like an hour and a half through all the people that stood in line to get his autograph. And... Um, yeah, we're very proud of him. Yes, yeah, we're very proud of him. And especially my generation of folks and kids my age, it's uh, it's really cool to see how he's cultivated his Instagram community and his social media community. And there's people all over the world who uh, are truly fans of him. And it's really cool to see when he does those meet and greets. Yep. Um, how, how many people he's truly uh, 
cultivated into his following. It's it's really really cool and very well deserved. Well, speaking of social media now, as a performer, whether you like it or not, you have to obviously have a presence there. So yes. let's talk about your presence on social media. I mean, does someone help you or are you t- tackling that yourself? I've been tackling that myself. Um, I would say for my case, it's a little bit easier because I'm not necessarily an artist. I'm a guy who works for artists. But uh, definitely for the artists I work with, it's, it can be a challenge to you know constantly post, constantly have your followers be aware of what you're doing and to almost still seem relevant. Um, but yes, for me, I'm kind of lucky because basically if I'm posting on Instagram, it's, it's to show people that I'm working and mm-hmm. um, almost to build a digital resume, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it does. Whereas the artist sense, it's mostly oh, I have a new song coming out and I need to promote this. Whereas my career doesn't necessarily depend on Instagram, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Do you see yourself evolving though? Do, is, do you want to achieve that that artist uh, spot? Or do you, I know you like what you're doing right now, yeah. but do you see there any? You know, I've thought about it. I, I truly love working with other people and being the guy who brings artist songs across the finish line. Um, whether that's live or in the studio, I really... I just love working for other people and working with other people, I should say. So on this, on the session work now, uh, and which you do a ton of, and all these things, would, are you performing pretty much? I know we, you know, the guitar is your first love. I've seen you played the bass obviously as well and quite well, but, um, on the sessions, are you doing whatever instrument they, they ask, or are you trying to just stick to the guitar? Yeah. Um, I mean, from sessions I'll do, as little as only play guitar or bass or drums or anything like that. And then I can do, I would say a majority of my work is doing playing all of the instruments, um, mixing, producing and getting the song across the finish line. So basically just being a one man band for an artist is a big part of my work. We're talking with Isaac uh, Levy. He is a local musician, a very talented one, as you've heard, uh, been out playing with all sorts of people. Of course, his father, the drummer for Brian Setzer Orchestra, Peter Frampton, a lot of other people. And of course, Isaac playing with Todd Rundgren and Corey Wong and, and many others and in high demand here in the Metro. This is my first concert, Dave, here along with Davide, our producer. You can download these wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Spotify or Apple or go to talknorth.com. We have a ton of great podcasts there. And I want to thank, by the way, our bank at talknorth.com is Star Bank. And uh, it's nice uh, to know that we're telling you about a great bank because it's the one we use right here. Uh, the turnaround times on loans, by the way, with Star Bank are, it's, uh, it's, Pretty quick. Once you apply and submit your documentation, they move it right along. And I think that stems from their days as a uh, as a small town bank. That's how they started. The same family owns them. They have 10 here in Minnesota now, including right here in the Twin Cities. And so they all handle anything in the business banking world, in the personal banking world. Um, if it's the digital banking you like to do, I think all of us do as, as much as we're moving around and stuff. And that's easy. And they have all of that. But they are also very, very... Uh, fun to walk into and meet and they'll get to know you right away you'll get to know them it's still that small town feel even here in the metro in this uh in the, in the big city so uh learn about them learn things they're doing uh, maybe it's ag operating equipment loans maybe it's a house a camper an rv a a, a series of new uh, uh fender stratocasters whatever it is i'd encourage you to get your loan needs met at star bank family owned good people as i mentioned the same family 
So call them. Stop by. They'll answer the phone, by the way. You're not going to go to voicemail. They'll answer the phone. Somebody will. Call your local branch today. Stop in at your convenience. They're great supporters of all the hometowns they're in. Loans are subject to a loan application approval. Starbank.net, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You know, uh, David, I just want to make sure that you you mentioned so folks understand uh, Isaac's uh, uh, influence here in the Twin Cities and how much in demand he is because you are a music producer. You are in this world. You know so many people involved in it. And Mm -hmm. I I know long before Isaac stopped in what a huge fan you were of Isaac's and many other in the music business. Yeah, I mean, uh, like uh, we had David last week on on the podcast. Uh, remember how I told you, like, David when, Feely, I, yeah. when I need a, a Swiss Army knife as a guitar player, I, I call David. And for Isaac, if I need like a uh, eclectic ba- bass player that that brings flavor into the production, that's when I call him. And we had a few opportunities to work work together, and it's just something that uh, what is getting lost is um, musicians, a session musicians, when they come into a session, the expectations of a producer is to uh, not just make them look good, but like bring ideas, bring uh, um, a flavor into the project. I want somebody that is in it, that that is passionate about the project, that not just comes in and plays whatever, like, you know, okay, there's a mm-hmm. B and an A, and, and that's the whole progression here, and that's what I'm playing. But that actually comes up with pretty cool um, ideas into the songs to make the, the songs better and and the artist is is going to be happy too and that that's why and the other thing that i was saying that that gets lost is that some musicians don't are, are not able to play through anymore like they they need to like swallow the song before actually playing it and with people like David or Isaac, they come prepared. They hear the songs, they chart out whatever they need to chart out, or they memorize things, and they also come weaponed with ideas. And to me is when we start the first take on a song, that's just the most fun because that's when it's like... um what's happening is the most important one because all the ideas are coming out on, on the, on that first take and then, yeah. and then we evolve it from there. Yeah. So he, he's, he's, he's a guy that you want. One of those musicians. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, really, I guess David, a musician's musician, which I don't think can be a higher compliment. Hey, uh, Isaac, what about songwriting though? Yeah, I do a fair amount of songwriting. Um, I would say, most of my work on songwriting is being almost more of a producer in the room coming up with the instrumental parts, but I, I do a lot of lyrics as well with artists. Um, but yeah, definitely a majority is um, more of songwriters in the room and that I'm doing handling all the music as far as the songwriting process goes. 
Yeah, so a little more time in the studio this year again. When you're not in the studio, what's what's grabbing your interest? Man, not in the studio. Uh, I've been going on lots of walks, um, just trying to get as much ex- exercise as possible. Definitely the curse of being a studio musician is sitting in a nice, comfy studio <laughs> yeah. chair all day. So yeah. I've been uh, just biking a lot, riding my bike, and then going on a lot of walks. That's been my probably escape from... Uh, the times where I feel like I've been in the studio too long, even walking up to 10 miles a day has been my, uh, that's been my most favorite thing to do recently. Yeah. Smart. Uh, so let me ask you this. Cause every time we close out the show, I, I want to know this and this is tough. Uh, it's always a tough question. I laugh because, um, David, mentioned our buddy, Paul <laughs> Peterson last week at NAM. This, I talked to Paul several times, uh, on this program and he's been a friend, but, he changed his because, like many people, once we say, well, what are the three concerts? If you were booking the show and you were responsible, you're the promoter, what are the three shows that you would want to see, uh, whether those performers are still around or not? I'm really curious. So I want you to think about that for a second. And, and I'll just tell you this, particularly with musicians, I know that 10 minutes after they leave the studio, they come back and say, I should have said this, right? <laughs> because, because that's a tough one. And, and not to, not to, I, I, you know, uh, you have a lot of favorites, you work with a lot of people. I don't mean to, you know, ignore anybody, but if you were to set a concert up today or tomorrow and you had to book three acts for it, dead or alive, I'm curious. Yep. I'm curious who Isaac uh, Levy would want. I would say uh, right off the top of my head, Growing up with a rock and roll drummer for a dad, I was uh, I'd probably say the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, and D'Angelo. It's a little bit uh, far out of left field from the other two, but uh, those were definitely yeah. the three that uh, really inspired me the most. Well, and so tell us more about how D'Angelo inspired you. Yeah, I, I would say I was probably 13 years old and I heard the D'Angelo Voodoo album. And there's a saying when you're 13... Or 13 to 14 years old, the music you're listening to then influences you for basically the rest of your life, even if you're a musician or not. And definitely the way I heard D'Angelo in the, the pocket and rhythm definitely inspired my playing and everything I've done since then. Uh, were you a, a fan of the Led Zeppelin? Did you just hear him or did was dad a fan or how did you happen to be a Led Zeppelin guy? Yeah, dad was a... Was it the guitar is, playing? Yeah, the Jimmy Page is definitely my guitar hero. Um, but my, my dad uh, has been a massive fan, had, has everything on vinyl, everything in CDs, and uh, Led Zeppelin Four was always on when I was a kid in the car. And that really yeah. stuck with me. You know, what's interesting, we discovered in the show when our friend uh, Billy from the Fabulous Armadillos was on, and he was, he's just, he knows his bands from way gone, way bygone days. And Jimmy Page played up in Mentor, Minnesota at the Maple Lake Pavilion before anybody really knew who they were. Wow, and that's I, crazy. I, isn't that, yeah, before he was with Led Zeppelin, obviously, and just kind of torn. I think they were probably going from Minneapolis to Winnipeg and wanted a gig in between, you know, how that goes. And there's Jimmy Page. And, and my friend Billy was well aware of that, which uh, I never do, which just, Blows me out of the water. And the Beatles, of course, um, are pretty influential. When when was your Beatle influence? When did that happen? I mean, I, the Beatles, for me, that influence starts as early as I can remember. Um, definitely 
having revolver on in the car since I was a little kid. I remember yeah. faint memories of being in a car seat and just hearing it. And, you know, having the Beatles be a first probably musical experience. My dad definitely did that intentionally. He knew what he was doing. But uh, <laughs> um, it really, it, it just changed everything for me. And that's how I think about music. And especially as a bass player, I would say McCartney's bass playing is probably what I... Um, like my bass playing revolves around his, I would say. Have you you have have you crossed paths with him in your musical I haven't, adventures yet? No, that would uh that would be a dream come true. Would that make you nervous as a musician, or once you start playing, does it, is it like a good athlete? Once the game starts, you kind of forget about who's out there. You just yeah perform. Well, you know it's funny. I said my dad is a massive Zeppelin fan, and about two years ago, he was playing a festival with Brian Setzer, and then he looks to his left. And two black Cadillac Escalades pull up and Robert Plant walks out. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I asked him about that. And he was like, oh, man, I've never played more John Bonham films in my life. <laughs> <laughs> he knew exactly oh, what he God. was doing on that, too. But it, it would be one of those things where uh, I truly think if that happened to me or if any of Zeppelin or the alive members of the Beatles were there. I think I would be pretty nervous and I never get stage fright or choke up or anything, but I, I truly don't know if I would know what to do with yeah, myself. Right. Isaac. So uh, I know you said you're going to be in the studio and doing a lot of work in there this year. Is there anywhere fans can see you anytime soon? Watch you. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, nothing really uh, booked for shows right now, but uh, my website, IsaacLevyMusic.com. My Instagram, I'm uh, mostly on Instagram. That's kind of my main social media, but I'm always posting about shows or uh, upcoming tours or anything of the sort on my Instagram. Okay, follow, so I suggest... Follow Isaac on social <laughs> media. Do it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'll make sure I'm following you here as soon as we uh, uh, finish this session, but I really appreciate you coming in. I'm on location today, which is rather unusual. And um, <laughs> but but uh, hopefully one day we can. It'd be fun to watch you work in the studio. To be quite honest about it, it's it, I'm a little bit of a geek that way. But being a, in the broadcasting business, I think uh, maybe that's part of it. But uh, Isaac, uh, so happy for you and all the success. And I know you're just kind of beginning that whole journey. But congratulations, uh, Davide and I really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on my first concert. And yeah, I, and I'm. Gonna guess we're gonna talk again soon someday. I hope. Yeah, I'd love that. Thank you both for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. He for is coming. Isaac. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> Go no, ahead. gosh, don't never be never be sorry to me, uh, that, uh, Davide. It's great to have Davide here as our producer, Davide Rosso, or the, uh, a native of Basel, Switzerland, by the way. But like so many guys, he met that good uh, Minnesota girl, and he became a Minnesota resident, and of course a great music producer here in town. Isaac Levy is uh, one of those uh, talents that come around once in a while that can play it all and do it all. And uh, of course, great uh, musical roots in his family as well, as we talked about his father, Noah. And uh, we'll talk some more here next week on My First Concert. Dave here, I want to thank the folks at StarBank.net for bringing this to you and AquariusHomeServices.com studios for uh, joining us as well today on the broadcast. And we're going to see you next time. Again, I'll encourage you to go to Apple, go to Spotify, go to TalkNorth.com, wherever you want, and get these podcasts. And we're focusing on our Minnesota musicians. And we appreciate you joining us. And Davide, I will see you and talk to you next week. Isaac, thank you. Thank you.